It's a good day. It's a good, good, good day. All right. It's in there. It's, oh, this is coffee. This is my fuel, man. It is a car. You know, yeah. It's a sugary drink, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a female when it comes to coffee. My wife likes the black coffee, and I like the fruity. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. So last week we talked about shame, and um, Kyle's going to come and speak to us today, and he's going to piggyback on that message, and he's going to release something in the house. I, I love when Kyle speaks. There's something special on him, and I love what God's doing in his life. He's my best friend, and he's my brother, and so I'm proud to share the, the pulpit with you and do, do ministry with you in life. And uh, so this is your house. Do what you need to do, man. Love you, bro. Thanks. How y'all doing? Just to start off, I don't take lightly the opportunity to get to speak to you guys. This is really exciting. Um, And I never ask to speak to anyone. Usually I just, whenever Jared says, hey, can you speak in a couple weeks? I said, yes. You know, I always have something. I keep keep notes, um, page after page of notes, just stuff that comes to my head. But a couple weeks ago I asked Jared, I said, hey, can I please speak? And he obliged, which I'm appreciative of. So, I just set the bar a little too high for myself, I know. Like, if you ask, it's got to be good. Well, that's the hope. (laughs) Right? How many of you guys remember what I spoke on last time? What's up, brother? Um, Last time I spoke on self-control, right? And the power of being in control of who you are, getting to choose whatever you want to do, right? We all have been given self-control by God, right? Now, how many of us have put that into practice since I spoke about it? You have? Man. Good. It's a powerful, powerful weapon that, that is trying to be stolen from us, right? So, let's work on that. So, I've been thinking about something... Um, for a while uh the the power that we give sin sin is not a powerful thing i don't know if we know this right if god didn't create it it doesn't have power because god is all powerful right so if something comes from the enemy it has no power we can only give power to things by allowing it to have power over us And when we fear sin, or we fear the people we love committing sin or falling into sin, we actually empower the sin in their lives. We actually do the opposite to the people we love. When we protect them because we're scared they're going to sin, we're actually nudging them and actually causing the sin to pull them and attract them. Right? You know, the last, last few years have been just a whirlwind for me. It's all kinds of things. One of the, the hardest things that I've had to go through is seeing my kids half the time, right? It's like the worst. It's like, it's hell. It's terrible seeing my kids half the time. And what the biggest fear was 
is that if I can't have control over the half, that half of their lives, I don't want them to fall into sin. And I'm realizing now how absurd that is. We have made God so powerless that we assume that they're going to be drawn to sin more than they're going to be drawn to him. We fear that if we tell their kids they have free will or they're powerful and they can make their own decisions, they'll decide to follow the enemy instead of follow him. When in actuality, the pull of the love of Christ is much greater than the pull of sin. So why do we fear sin? What are we truly, truly scared of? Are we secretly afraid of hell all the time? I mean, it's a it's, it's legitimate question. You know, I think we've boiled down a lot in the church to heaven or hell. And that's, I'm going to use the word again, that's absurd. <laughs> the only thing we should, we should truly focus on and think about is heaven. I'm not worried about hell. I'm not worried about hell for my children. I'm not worried about hell for my family and my friends. Because ultimately, the pull of the love of Christ the perfect, hopeful love of Jesus Christ is so much greater than any sin that they can commit. There's so much freedom. Jared talked about people, uh, what, what are you called to? What do you feel called to? And yesterday this struck me. I feel called to lift burdens off of people. And I want to lift a burden off of you people. The fear of sin, the fear of your family falling into sin, is not a burden you must carry. It is an extra weight that will slow you down, and it will actually put that weight on the people that you care about. You see, we give power to what we fear. And if I'm afraid... (laughs) that my kids will fall into sin, I'm empowering that in their lives. I'm going to read out of Romans 2. You don't have to go there. If you don't want, I'll just read it. You guys trust that I'll read it the right way, okay? Romans 2, 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's fear of sin leads you toward repentance. (laughs) Is it God's fear of sin that leads people to repentance? No. Do you not realize that God's kindness leads you to repentance? The fear of me wanting to protect my kids and to guard them and control, ultimately control them, is not what's going to lead them to Christ. What's going to lead them to Christ is kindness. Because it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Right? It is not his fear of us hurting him or the fear of us doing wrong or the fear of us making a wrong decision that leads us to repentance. It is his kindness. 
And like I said earlier, the pull of that kindness is the greatest pull. It's the greatest gravitational field in the, the history of ever. In ever. <laughs> it's the best, right? So therefore, we have to, to change our minds. And man, I was, oh man, I had a good afternoon yesterday just by myself watching football, reading the Bible. It was awesome. Because he started showing me his kindness. You know, and I think what we've done is uh, similar to what I said before. We've boiled down Christianity to saving the world from hell. Right? We don't want the world to go to hell. And we don't. There's, that's not an accurate, inaccurate statement. We do not want the world to go to hell. Right? But I want us to shift our focus. Because our goal is not to save people from hell. Our goal is to point people to the kindness and the love and the mercy of God. It is not your assignment to save people from hell. It is your assignment to show them Christ and Christ's love. And that's a massive paradigm shift in the church. Because we've, you know, I don't know. There's that whole turn or burn thing and... What motivates people? Ultimately, scaring people out of something instead of pushing them with kindness into something. The scaring them out of something will never hold them. Pushing them with kindness into something, that is what holds them. Love is what holds people. Not fear, not telling them that they're wrong. You know, it's a scary thing for me, this whole freedom, freedom thing. Paul even said in the Bible, all things are permissible, right? And we want to say, oh, yeah, well, but the next line says it's not all beneficial. That is true. But it is equally true that all things are permissible, right? It doesn't, the next line doesn't cancel out the first line. All things are permissible, and we've been so terrified to tell people, especially people that are just learning about Jesus, that all things are permissible because we have the fear that they're going to go to the wrong thing instead of the right thing. And that's a horrible mindset for the church to have. The truth is, all things are permissible. Guess what? If we show this person the kindness and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ, they will undoubtedly choose Jesus. There's no denying the pull of Christ. We're all in this room because we, we had the pull of Christ on our lives. The pull of his perfect, hopeful love. Right? I didn't find Christ because I was scared of hell. I found Christ because of the promise of heaven. And the promise of heaven isn't that when we die, we'll go to this place. The promise of heaven is that it is here now. And we've weakened that. We've made it to everything we're doing is for the afterlife. I'm going to do good so I don't go to hell. I'm going to do good so I can go to heaven eventually. And what a waste of time all of that is. When ultimately the purpose that you're here for is to love Christ, be loved by him, and show people how to receive his love. And then heaven comes along with that. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is not at death. Right? 
I have to tell my kids all the time, this is just a little annoying thing. Like, the clouds are heaven to them. I'm like, no, man. No, don't be talking that stuff. The heaven is wherever the king is. The king's domain, the kingdom, that's where heaven is. So I say, kids, don't you tell me that heaven is in the sky. Heaven is in this room right now. You know, I was actually really, really heartbroken recently. Um, I, I got a, new, a, a YouTube rabbit hole. And I started watching videos, and then it went, led to another video and another video, which is always a bad idea because it, it, it makes for a very unproductive time. Let's, let's, <laughs> three hours later, you're like, what did I just do with my life? God, forgive me for this waste of a day. So much could have been done. But so little was, right? So I went in this rabbit hole and I found, <clears throat> I found this guy that has a ministry online, and um, which, well, <laughs> he has like a TV show, a radio show, and um, he was talking about judgment, and um, man, I was really actually pretty disturbed. Um, sorry. I got my scripture here. Forgot to pull it up. But he was talking about judgment and how we're called to be the judges of the world and all this stuff. And um, I was actually pretty upset by it. He was he was calling people by name, calling all this. This person is a sinner. This person's a false prophet. Obviously, um, these kinds of things. You know, we were never called for that. Um. We were actually called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that is the good news. And we have to, there's another paradigm shift that we have to have in the church. Instead of hating sin, let's feel broken for the person that's trapped in it. I'm so tired of, man, hate the sin, hate the sin, love the sinner. No, no, no. Just love the sinner. Sin is disgusting and it's its own punishment, right? Sin brings punishment on itself. And I, for one, am tired of seeing people living in the punishment of sin. It's, there's people out there. And this, and this breaks my heart. Because it doesn't have to be this way, right? So instead of hating sin, which sin is gross, right? Love, love, love. That's the only way. Love is all you need, right? They nailed that. All you need is love. You know, a sinner is not going to take kindly to talk about hating what they're doing. What good? What purpose does that serve? What purpose does it serve to pull out the Bible and read Scripture to someone that's trapped in sin? That's not a popular thing to say. I get that. There, there's Scripture, and, and it applies to a certain situation. 
But someone who doesn't know anything about the Bible, the Bible doesn't do much good to them in that moment. Right? The one thing that does good for them is the love you have and the kindness. That's what's going to lead them to repentance. We want to introduce them to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Not the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. Sorry, I heard that the other day. I liked it. <laughs> and this book is perfect. This is perfect, right? But I want to tell you all something. All of the Bible is in God, but not all of God is in the Bible. Because if all of God could fit in this book, he's not the God we thought he was. We got to love, love, love. That's what it's all about. And that's what struck me yesterday was his kindness and his love. Man, he's so great. You know, one of the things that that scared me a little bit about um, about the grace message uh, is that we get the impression that we're letting people off the hook. You know, all things are permissible, right? And we feel like people can do whatever they want, and we're just letting them off the hook, right? Well, as I said before, sin... Sin is his own punishment. So sin doesn't let people off the hook. Right? Turn with me to Matthew 20. I read this last night, and I sent a text to Jared and Mandy, and I said, read this and tell me what you think about it. We all know this story. This is a story that I was actually really offended by for a long time. So it's the story of the, the people working in the vineyard, right? The parable of the workers in the vineyard. Let me pull it up here. Now, what do we know about the story of the workers in the vineyard? We, we had one who worked all day. We had some that worked for an hour. Well, we, we know about this. But I'm going to read this story. Uh, Jesus uses a story, Matthew 20, Jesus uses a story about farm workers. God's kingdom is, a like, is like a man who owns some land. One morning, the man went out very early to hire some people to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay the workers one silver coin for working that day. Then he sent them into the vineyard to work. About nine o'clock, the man went to the marketplace and saw some other people standing there. They were doing nothing. So he said to them, if you go and work in my field, I will pay you what your work is worth. So they went to work in the vineyard. The man went out again at about 12 o'clock and again at 3 o'clock. Both times he hired some others to work in his vineyard. About 5 o'clock, the man went to the marketplace again. He saw some other people standing there. He asked them, why did you stand here all day and do nothing? They said, no one gave us a job. The man said to them, then you can go and you can work in my vineyard. At the end of the day, the owner of the field said to the, the boss of all the workers, call the workers and pay them. Start by paying the last people I hired. And this is where we get offended because this is absurd. Then pay all of them, ending with the ones we hired first. 
The workers who were hired at 5 o'clock came to get their pay. Each worker got one silver coin. Then the workers who were hired first came to get their pay. They thought they would get paid more than the others. But each of them also received one silver coin. This is crazy, right? When they got their silver coin, they complained to the man who owned the land. They said, these people were hired last and worked only one hour. But you paid them the same as us, and we worked hard all day in the hot sun. But the man who owned the field said to one of them, friend, I am being fair with you. You agreed to work for one silver coin, right? So take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same pay I gave you. And then this made me cry when I read it because I never really read this. I can do what I want with my own money. Why would you be jealous because I am generous? I always stopped before that line. Why would you be jealous because I am generous? Now, I have a theory. And if I'm, I may be wrong, I'm, I tend to be wrong sometimes. I will admit that. I, I'll speak to myself. How about this? This story offended me because it sounds like you can live for Christ your whole life stuffing down any temptation or frustration you have that you can't live in sin the way other people live in sin and have the fun that other people are that are having. I can do that my whole life. And in the end, a man that spent his entire life sinning, doing the things that ultimately I really wanted to do but couldn't do because I had to hold them down because I'm better, on their deathbed, they can say a word and they can get the same payment that I will get. And that's where the frustration is. It's the jealousy of someone doing barely a fraction of what I did. I suppressed my temptations all this time. All this time, I suppressed what I truly wanted to do. You don't think I wanted to do those things, God? So could I have just done all those things and at the very end just, just waltz in and say, hey, I'm sorry, let's make it right? But we forget that our jealousy means nothing to his kindness. And it revealed something in me reading this story again that we've all heard probably a thousand times. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard this story. But it revealed something in me. I said, the reason you feel this way is that you've struggled and you've fought for certain things in your life and, and temp you've resisted temptations, which are all really good things. And it's offensive to me to think that people that do us wrong, people that hurt us, the people that hurt other people in this world can do that all along. And then ultimately at the end, all they need is one moment with him and it's all undone. And the truth is, they can do that their whole lives, and in the end, if they have one moment with him, it can all be undone. And instead of looking at that as an unfair act to me, his kindness and his goodness was revealed to me yesterday in a way that I had never seen before. Who am I to allow my jealousy to get in the way of his kindness?
Who am I to allow my frustration to get in the way of his kindness? So much about who he is was revealed in this moment. So much about how I viewed people that trapped in sin, how I viewed people that do wrong to others was changed in this moment. Because in the end, everything was undone because of one thing, and that was his kindness. He didn't have to punish us into it. He was just kind. His kindness is what led us to him. And his kindness is what will lead the world to him. Not the fear of the punishment. You know, we have this, we have this view of God that he's the great punisher. You know, punishment is something that you do to others to hurt them for what they've done. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like the God I know. God is not a punisher. Why would he waste his time punishing sin when sin is its own punishment? right he took care of the punishment already he took it on him and you know you are free of punishment he took it on him when he was beaten and he was bruised and he was hung on a cross he took the punishment for you there once and for all therefore any fear of punishment that we have going forward is not from christ that's from the enemy Right? So any thought we have of God being this great punisher and this judge damning people to hell, that is not who he is. He is kind. That's what he does. That's what he is. He was that way from the beginning. He's that way now, and he'll be that way going forward. He's not the punisher. He's kindness. He is kindness. He is love. He is mercy. He is grace. He has no intentions of inflicting pain upon you so that you will learn a lesson. We take care of that ourselves. So I, I've been so broken lately about people that have chosen, chosen punishment. And I don't even care about the sin anymore. It's the fact that they have chosen less and that there's so much more out there. You know, I have every right to be angry with people, with certain people. I can't even feel the anger anymore. The sorrow of them missing out on the kindness of God is what breaks my heart. But that's what I'm there for. I get to be the kindness of God to people that chose to walk away from the kindness of God. And ultimately, in the end, the kindness that I present to these people will bring them back to the kindness of the Father. Because that's what we're here for. I'm not here to tell someone, hey, man, 
Just think of the, some of the things that I said to people the last couple of years. Just, you know what? You get to answer to God. You don't have to answer to me, but you get to answer to God. You know what I was really saying? I was like, yeah, someday you keep it up, you're going to hell. That's what I was truly saying. Yeah, you get to answer to God. Deal with that. And then uh, there's a song by Reliant K. And it said, it has a brilliant lyric in it. And I actually thought about this. I've heard this song a million times, and I heard the lyric recently. And it says, because the judge of you is someone I can never be, that's why you should think the Lord that it is him and it's not me. It's brilliant. And <laughs> I, t- I was using God's judgment and him being just as a weapon against these people. Because I was angry. Justifiably, but what, what does that matter? It's never justifiable to use God as a weapon against anybody. Yeah, you know, you get to answer to God and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have, have fun in hell, you know? <laughs> but I say that differently now. You get to answer to God. You say it with a smile. He's just and he's kind. Guess what? And he's full of grace. And he's going he's gonna to let people in that you uh, were very hurt by. You know? Yeah, yeah. People that you definitely do not like. They're going to be in line. You know, I say in line. We're talking about afterlife again. But they're going to be in heaven with you. And you're going to be like, man, what was he thinking? <laughs> no. Because, you know, instead of being offended by his mercy and his grace and being scared by his mercy and his grace, that is, it is such a good thing, his mercy and his grace and his kindness. And this whole let, let them off the hook thing, I, I, I go back to it. Yeah, his kindness and his mercy and his grace looks different to us than what we think is justice. Justice to him is different than justice to us. You know, justice to us is a judge punishing someone to prison for years, and we assume that that's going to help them be better humans, which, uh, you know, we see how that works, right? That's judgment to us. Judgment to God is setting the scales back to even balancing the scales that is judgment that it, he's correcting what's wrong like and that seems absurd to us because i want to i want to hurt people that hurt me but he wants to be kind to people that hurt him there's the paradigm shift you know Going back to my kids and and the thought that I had the fear of, man, I can't be around them all the time. I can't do this. Like, where are they going to be? You know, I want my kids to know God, not so they don't go to hell. I want them to know God because I know God and I know how amazing he is. I don't want them to miss out on getting to know the God that I've gotten to know. There, that is the punishment. You missed out on getting to know him. That's it. 
So I think I've said enough. You know, we have to view people correctly. Because no matter what they've done to you, no matter what they've done to other people, do you know they're still sons and daughters of him? And they will be the beneficiaries of his benevolence and his kindness. Jared, do you want to close this out or do you want me to? Okay. So I have nothing else. But I want to emphasize the beauty and the brilliance of his kindness. Because until yesterday, it didn't hit me. And, uh, man, that story that I've read a thousand times, and I read it one more time. You know, this is the brilliance of God here. He's so awesome and he's so jam-packed full of goodness that you can see the same thing a thousand times and the thousandth time you will see something else in him that you didn't know. And that's the reason what I said about the Bible earlier. Not all of him is in here. Like he's so much better. Like think of all that is in here, all awesomeness in here. Think of all that Jesus did. And they even said in this book, they can't fit it all in the books. Any book ever written, you can't fit it in there. That's how good he is. I want us to change the scope of how we see him, how massive and how good he is and how kind he is. And and his mercy and all these things are such a good thing. They make him who he is. And who he is is who we should be. You can all stand with me and I'll, I'll, I'll dismiss. I don't ever know how to do these things. <laughs> Thank you. You know, the world tries everything it can to steal the identity of people. I'm going to hop up here. Jared even said this. Sin robs us of our identity. And our identity of being a son and a daughter and a joint heir with Christ. That's what sin does. What I want to pray for now is for compassion and for kindness. And instead of being angry with people that sin and angry at sinners for all that they've perpetuated on the world, all the terrible things that they've brought into this world, I want our hearts to break because they don't know the God that we know. All right, so I'm going to pray compassion. And I want everyone to just put their hands in front of them like you're receiving a gift. Yes. Father, I thank you that you are compassion. It is in you. It is what you are. You are compassionate. God, and I pray now for all of us in this room who have been the recipients of your compassion, that we would be filled with compassion for those that don't know you the way they will. We pray that now people would see you for who you really are and they will see your kindness and your mercy and your grace and your compassion through each and every one of us. So for now, we're gonna, we can be the only God to some people. We can be the only demonstration of you to some people. 
So I ask that we would be people that are moved to compassion, that are moved to love for people, that are moved to kindness for people, because we know that that's what brings people to you. That's what brings people back to you. So right now, make Fire Life Church a church that is on fire with a lot of things, but one of them needs to be compassion. And one of them needs to be love and kindness. So I pray that that would burn inside of each and every one of each and every one of us in this room. That we would see the true tragedy of sin. Not as this disgusting thing, but as something that's robbing people of knowing you. We don't want to perpetuate thoughts of punishment on people and thoughts of being hurt for all that they've done wrong. We want to point them back to you, a God that is full of mercy. And like you said, how can we be jealous when you chose to be kind? So right now, as we go this week, God, I ask that you would give us opportunities to show compassion to people, to show love to people and show kindness to people in everything that we do. And we're going to go and we're going to be on fire for you. So in your name, God, thank you so much for all that you are and all the great and good gifts that you give to us. So you guys go be blessed, be good. And um, you're awesome. Thank you. Have a good day. Just saying, being moved with compassion, but let's break the myth. Compassion is not a cloud or a spell that will come over us. Compassion is a choice. The Bible even has a scripture that says, if I choose to withhold my compassion or to close up or to conceal or to withhold my compassion, then God has no delight in me. That's in the word. Did you know that? If I choose to withhold my compassion, then God has no delight in me. And you know what? When you feel the presence of God, how many love that? Do you know what that is? That is the delight of the Lord. So I want to live in his delight, which means I want to make good choices. I want to choose compassion. So don't wait for compassion to overwhelm you. It may happen. It can happen. I'm not saying it can't. But that is not how we're to operate in compassion. We have to make a choice. I choose to. All right? Good work, Kyle. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. You're awesome, buddy. Love you. All right. So go make good choices and be on fire this week. Bring proof.